to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. I would hold the baby and the mother, the terror that would go across the mom's face because I wasn't holding the baby right. It's just like, I apologize to all those people that I, all those babies out there who are scarred. Um, Well, good morning. Welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. It's a great day to be in worship here at RPC. I want to remind you next Sunday, we go back to our four usual worship services in the various places on the 13th. We'll have our congregational meeting. Dan did a fantastic job last week talking about Frozen and a passage from Proverbs, but he did something that's become fashionable with our associate pastor staff. Um, You know, there's a lot of complaining going on about the, the movie that I gave them, the scripture passage. I want you to know I've never seen Frozen, so I, I, I reject all criticism about that, Dan, but you did a fantastic job, and so thank you so much. Today, we're going to look at the movie The Incredibles, and we're going to look at a passage from Proverbs 17, verse 3. So let us open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear the word of the Lord. The crucible is for silver, and the furnace is for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask in the next few moments, you might be our teacher, that you might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak. Lord, I pray that you give me the gift of preaching. Not that people would pay attention to my words or my voice, but that they might pay attention and hear your spirit, your word, your voice. Now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Who am I? This is a question we all ask ourselves. I bet much of your time is spent thinking this question. Who am I? What's my identity? What's my life about? Who am I really? I was talking to some of our summer interns recently, and they brought back some memories of mine from back in the 2010s. People thought I was Michael Phelps. (laughs) Phelps was a huge cultural sensation. He was winning numerous gold medals, competing at multiple Olympics, You'd see his face all over the news. He was in advertisements and commercials. Michael Phelps seemed to be everywhere, all at the same time. And people thought I was Michael Phelps. Let me give you an example. I happened to be down at the Habitat for Humanity International offices for a meeting. The offices were way up in this high-rise kind of skyscraper downtown. And after the meeting was done, I take the elevator on that long ride down to the ground level. And as you're riding the elevator, it would stop every few floors and it would take on new passengers who were also going down to the ground level. 
And so at one point, we stop, and these three women get on the elevator. And I'm standing towards the back with my back against the wall of the elevator. And there in that elevator, something happened that had never happened to me up to that point, and it has never happened since. These three women get on. They look they're, they're about to go to lunch together. And one of them, after getting on, looks up at me and says, Are you Michael Phelps? I said, no, ma'am, I'm not Michael Phelps. She kind of gives me side eye. Are you sure you're not Michael Phelps? I said, yes, ma'am, I can assure you I'm not Michael Phelps. Now, keep in mind that the Beijing Summer Olympics were going on at the time. She says again for a third time, are you sure you're not Michael Phelps? I said, yes, ma'am, I am Michael Phelps. I won a gold medal last night, took the red eye to be on the elevator with you. (laughs) The question became, if I'm not him, then who am I? Who am I really? Questions of identity often sit at the heart of superhero movies. Today's Disney movie is The Incredibles. And the opening scene, glad there's one fan here. (laughs) Let me get your name afterwards. Um, The opening scene of the movie begins with this news clip, and the news reporter is interviewing Mr. Incredible, Elastigirl, his wife, and his best friend, Frozone. And the reporter is asking them questions about identity. Do you have a secret identity? Who are you really? Do you consider yourself your superhero self or the normal non-superhero self? The rest of the movie wrestles with this theme. Who am I? After the opening sequence of the interview, it cuts to the action. And we see Mr. Incredible. He rescues a cat from a tree. Then he stops a robber who's trying to elude the police. Mr. Incredible jumps off a building to catch this falling man and crashes through the window of another building. Then he discovers the supervillain and one of the great names of all time, Bomb Voyage, who's robbing a building. Then Mr. Incredible discovers a bomb, but in trying to get rid of it, he throws it onto train tracks, it explodes, so then he has to run and hurry to save an oncoming train. Some of the passengers are injured in the train, but he stops it. Then we find out that after he gets married to Elastigirl, Mr. Incredible is being sued. He's being sued by the man he caught falling from the building who got injured when he crashed through the glass. He's being sued for those passengers who were on the train. Similar lawsuits begin to spring up against other superheroes, and it creates a negative public attitude towards all superheroes, so much so that the government is forced to initiate the superhero relocation program. It bans all 
supers from using their powers in public and forces them into hiding. The superheroes are forced to go back to their normal civilian lives. And the question that they must wrestle with is, who am I now? What is my identity now that I'm no longer who I used to be? What if, is my life about if I no longer can do what I'm called to do? As you know, you don't have to be a superhero to wrestle with such questions. Maybe you're making the transition from middle school to high school. And you're asking yourself, who am I now, now that I'm at a new school? Maybe you've gone through an unexpected job transition. And you're saying, well, I, I knew who I was then, but who am I now in my new role? Maybe you're retired. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Maybe someone has died. Maybe now you're an empty nester. What happens when the situation and context of our lives change? What happens when the things that used to give us value and meaning are gone? What happens? Who am I? Things will change. How do we know who we are? I think there are two major ways that we determine our identity. We either achieve it or we receive it. What does it mean to try and achieve our identity? I believe that all human beings are born and created with an innate desire to feel like we are enough. To feel like we're enough. One of the ways I came to this discovery is I read the scientist and moral psychologist and researcher Jonathan Haidt's book, The Righteous Mind. It's his analysis of what he sees at the heart of the human condition. In the introduction, he writes this, all, all human beings have an obsession with righteousness. It is the normal human condition. All human beings have a desire to feel like we are righteous. Or what he also calls enoughness. We all want to feel like we are enough. And we'll do all almost whatever it takes to achieve that enoughness. How do we do this? Let's say if we find our identity, our sense of self, in being thought of as smart. In this case, you'll go after trying to get degree after degree after degree, hoping that when someone looks at your resume, they'll go, oh, wow, you're really smart. All the while there, You'll be scared, though, that you'll be found out as a fraud because you'll know that ChatGBT is smarter than you. We might be afraid of showing any intellectual weakness, that people won't value us anymore, that they'll see through the mask. Who would we be then? Or what if we find our identity and our appearance that people think we're beautiful? There's no amount of money we wouldn't be willing to spend on creams, facials, enhancements, lashes, etc., etc. All the while, terrified, knowing that Father Time is after us. And we know that the wrinkles will come, the extra LBs will show up, <laughs> the sagging flesh will arrive. And who will we be then? 
What if you find your identity in wealth? How much is ever enough? Rockefeller was once asked this question when he was one of the richest Americans. Someone asked him, how much is enough? And he said, just a little more. We will live in fear, terrified that we will lose our riches. And that we won't ever be enough. We do this with beauty, with education, with wealth. But we could also add success, power, fame, numerous other things that tempt us to find our identity, that tempt us to think we can achieve our identity. When the Bible speaks about this temptation to achieve our identity, it often speaks in the terms of what it calls moral righteousness. If we can be a good person, we will be enough. God will love us. Others will love us. You see this in The Incredibles through the character of Buddy. Buddy begins the film as this kind of annoying fanboy of Mr. Incredibles. And he'll do almost whatever it takes to get the approval of Mr. Incredible. Buddy thinks if he can become a superhero, he will be enough. And by the end of the movie, you find that his search, his desire to achieve superhero status is his undoing and actually destroys the things he really loves. Theologians call this kind of thinking, this logic, is works righteousness. It says, I will be good so God will love me. I will be enough and earn the love of God. I will achieve perfection, and then God will love me. And the problem with the achievement strategy to life is the scriptures clearly teach all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we try to earn God's love, if we try to achieve our identity, it is a losing battle. We will never do whatever it takes to achieve and secure our identity to be enough. If that means what it means to try to achieve our identity, what does it mean to receive our identity? The question of enoughness was a question that was central to the 16th century Protestant Reformation. Martin Luther observed himself and many of his fellow citizens, their desire, their search to be enough and many of these people were devout Christians, and yet they still missed out on the heart, the good news of the Christian gospel. Luther once wrote, it is impossible to gain peace of conscience by the methods and means of the world. Experience proves this. Various holy orders, he's talking about being a priest or a monk or none. He was a monk, in fact. Various holy orders have been launched for the purpose of securing peace of conscience through religious exercises, but they have proved failures because such devices only increase doubt and despair. We find no rest for our weary bones unless we cling to the word of grace. I love that line. We find no rest for our weary bones unless we cling to the word of grace. And that grace is a word that comes to us from God in Jesus Christ. We can only find peace for our lives by finding our identity and meaning in the grace that God has shown us in Jesus Christ. 
It's good to have aspirations to try to achieve things. It's good to have goals to make something of our lives. Yes, that's good. But don't ever confuse that with what is the ground, the heartbeat of your identity. The foundation of your life, your identity is in Christ. It's in Christ. It's holding this achieving and receiving in the right proportion and knowing that receiving your identity in Christ has got to be at the foundation. Martin Luther would go on to describe this. He says human beings and followers of Christ are both saints and sinners. Sinners, yes, we know we fail, we sin, we make mistakes. That's true. But that's not fundamental to our identity. God, when God looks at at us, God declares that we are a saint. And below, below all the stuff that we pile onto our lives, at the heartbeat of who we are, we are a saint in Jesus Christ, not because of what we've achieved, but because of what we've received. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the church in Colossians used beautiful language. He says, our identity is hidden in Christ. Our identity that we have received is hidden in Christ. It's separated from all those things that we might try to achieve to get and secure our identity. Our identity is received and hidden in Christ. Our identity is grounded in God's good news revealed in Jesus Christ. But wrestling with these two identities can be difficult. And so we need to remember, we must remember who we are. Word had gotten out that Michael Phelps's doppelganger was walking around the streets of Atlanta. So much so that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution asked me to dress up as Michael Phelps for their Halloween edition for the paper. So that's what I did. I put on goggles. I had a parka with a hood to keep me warm. Thank heavens they didn't ask me to wear a Speedo. And they dressed me up to look as closely as possible to the great Michael Phelps. But don't you think for a second that I confused that with who I really was. What my true identity is, underneath the goggles, underneath the parka and the swimsuit, I know who my real identity is. And that is the same for each of us, that we have received our identity in Jesus Christ. Underneath everything we own, everything we wear, all of our actions, all of the things we do wrong, no, we receive our identity and God's good news in Jesus Christ. Friends, just like a superhero, we are hidden in Christ. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for that good news that we need, need not try to achieve our identity, but we can receive it. And who, what you've done for us, never forgetting who's You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast.
Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.